At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention Cannabis Radio listeners. Do you suffer from chronic pain, anxiety, depression, or PTSD? These are the most common qualifying conditions for medical cannabis. Did you know that in many states you can visit a doctor online with no waiting rooms, no drive, not even an appointment needed? See a doctor right from your smartphone. It's fast, convenient, and it'll save you money as most states don't collect taxes on medical cannabis purchases. So what are you waiting for? Go to MarijuanaDoctors.com slash Cannabis Radio and get $5 off your on-demand medical card evaluation. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, NCIA's Deputy Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. And our committees have been very, very busy this year, and I'm excited to be bringing on members of various committees at NCIA. Today, I'm talking with members of our Cannabis Manufacturing Committee, Ramon Alarcon and Arnaud Dumas de Rowley. Arnaud is currently co-founder and CEO of the Blink Group. He's a thought leader in science, technology, and supply chain of vaping products. He also serves as chairman of the ISO, International Standards Committee on Vaping Products, and chairman of the European Standards Committee on Vapor Products. Ramon has a career in innovation as head of engineering and design. He took Blue, the e-cig market maker, through two acquisitions and built its portfolio of 80 plus patents. He's also worked on VR at NASA, a patented surgical simulator startup, vehicle tech at Ford, and has degrees in engineering from Standard. And as I mentioned, both of these humans here are members of NCIA's Cannabis Manufacturing Committee. Thank you both for joining me on the show today. Uh, I do want to kick off by getting to know more about you and your background and what kind of work you've done in the past before bringing your wisdom, expertise, and skills 
to the cannabis industry. Uh, let's start with you, Arno. Hello, Bessani. Thank you very much for uh, having me. Uh, I don't worry, I will quit uh, with the French accent because everyone knows I'm French. Uh, and you will not <laughs> follow along with me if I do speak with the accent for too long. Oh, that was great. Thank you. <laughs> um, so my background is really in engineering. Uh, I have an engineering degree uh, from, from France and uh, have been in the nicotine vaping space since 2009, uh, helped develop a lot of the standards uh, that, that we have today in the, in the vaping industry. And uh, throughout that entire time, I spent a lot of time lobbying and, uh, and, and kind of really defending our industry and explaining that this is a nascent industry that is focused on harm reduction. Nicotine vaping was for people that uh, usually smoked and that was a lot less dangerous. Uh, so that's really what got me into the cannabis space. And of course, that common denominator being vaping. Gotcha. Yeah, thanks. Well, it's certainly a hot topic in our industry and has been for a while. So I look forward to diving in further in this conversation with you. How about you, Ramon? Tell me more about your background and what you did before getting involved in this exciting cannabis industry. Sure. I'll start from the top and work my way back. Uh, I left Blue E-Cigs at the end of 2017 and after taking it from infancy through two big tobacco acquisitions, and I started my own company, Witty, in January of 2018. Uh, and while back at Blue, I led engineering and technology, and Blue at the time was the E-Cig market maker, which really gave me a seat at the table defining a new industry uh, uh defining the new industry, setting standards for manufacturing at a global scale and providing the FDA with expertise to help shape regulations. And uh, prior to Blue, I worked in virtual reality at NASA, also a pre-IPO surgical simulator startup and Ford Motor Company. And uh, it all really started back at Stanford with bachelor's and master's degrees in mechanical engineering. And uh, today beyond waking and sleeping witty. Uh, I'm a member of the UL standards technical panel for eSIG battery safety. And I've also been an expert witness in two of the largest recent landmark cases involving patent infringement for RJR and Juul. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for that background there. Uh, I'd also like to get to know more about why and how each of you got involved in the cannabis industry, coming from those backgrounds that you came from, and maybe even your personal story as to why you're taking this risk to work in this industry that, as we all know, is still federally illegal. Uh, Ramon, would you like to take that answer first? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, throughout my career, I've been fascinated by three things. One, fixing problems, which led me to engineering. Uh, two, machine learning and how it shapes outcomes and provides insights. And three, the intersection of human interaction and perception. So, for example, when I worked at Immersion, I built uh, surgical simulator devices that allowed surgeons to train on machines rather than humans. And I developed technology, technology to literally mimic the feel of the human dermis. And in cannabis, I really saw the opportunity to merge all three of those. Not only was my decade of experience in e-cig vapor particularly relevant, um, but I had personally benefited from cannabis. And it's really captivating at so many levels, a com complex plant, a myriad of uses, differing effects, safety concerns, stigma, and mainstream consumer confusion. I mean, most Americans 
don't even know the metric system. So how can we expect them to know what X milligrams of one cannabinoid and Y milligrams of another will do when we still don't have the data? And I'm just personally so excited by the power of the technology to simplify the complex. And there are really so many promises and unknowns that data will validate and unearth. So suffice to say that the fact that there's so much uncharted territory here and that I have the skills to help drive discovery, that really motivates me. Awesome. Yeah, great. Great to have you too. And I'm I'm continually excited and thrilled by the technology and science in our industry year after year after year. So it's it's exciting to see uh, the more we allow research and the more we allow innovation to see what we come up with. Uh, Arno, how did you get involved in cannabis and and why is it a passion project for you? Well, I think really what my passion project is, and, and I believe Ramon and I share this very much, is the harm reduction aspect of things mm-hmm. and, um, and, and really making sure that consumers consume safe products. So being chairman of the ISO standards on vaping products and uh, having moved to the U.S. in 2015, I started encountering a lot of people that came to me with their cannabis vaping devices saying, hey, you're one of the foremost vaping experts in the world. What do you think of this device? And the more devices I saw, the more I saw that they were using technology that wasn't at all adapted to the viscosity and the different characteristics of cannabis. And that really got us thinking. And that is the reason why we created the Blink Group is to really bring all of that nicotine vaping experience to cannabis to make sure that consumers were really consuming safe products or as safe as they can be. Because let's face it, not inhaling anything is always safer than inhaling something. So, <laughs> I mean, it, we have to really put, put it out there. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but, but as we'll probably be discussing throughout the podcast, there are a lot of differences between inhaling nothing and, uh, and walking down in the streets, uh, just inhaling the, all the various toxicants that we see outside. Awesome. Yes, we are going to take a deeper dive into that for sure. I'm just reminded of Bill Clinton saying he he didn't inhale. <laughs> oh, gosh, I can't believe I'm old enough to remember that. But anyway, <laughs> um, well, before we take our first commercial break, um, just tell me a bit more about uh, what you're doing now uh, with your current company and your day to day. Arnaud, tell us what's going on uh, at the Blink Group. So we actually manufacture vaping devices. So anything as simple as a, as a cartridge uh, or a 510 thread battery. Uh, but the, our, our main specific is that we are the only company that controls the entire supply chain from A to Z. So we have our team on the ground uh, in Blink China uh, that actually works with all of the raw material suppliers. And we have research on every single one of those raw materials. Uh, whether it's FDA Title 21 CPG or CFR certifications uh, or uh, any kind of ISO certifications with the four assemblers that we work with, 13485 for medical devices, um, 9001 for the QMS, and really making sure that even the simplest devices you can find on the market for vaping cannabis are safe, quality, and innovative. In addition to that, we also develop brand new devices and brand new vaporization technologies, uh, which, uh, which, which hopefully we'll be able to share with uh, the entire world this year. Perfect, thanks for that update. And Ramon, what's going on with you and your company these days? 
Sure. Well, I'm a founder of, and CEO of Wellness Insight Technologies, Inc., or WITI for short. And we're a technology company that develops intelligent self-care products. Uh, we've yet to launch our cannabis and hemp consumer product, but to give you a sense, it's a multimodal device with an integrated touchscreen. Uh, you insert one cartridge for vape, vapor, pop it out, insert another for sublingual consumption. And the technology uses machine learning to figure out what works for you, rather than a one-size-fits-most mentality. And we, we call that dose-to-effect technology. Um, and simultaneously, via a partnership with a pharmaceutical company, Perigo, we reinforce what our technology has the power to do across multiple markets. And we're licensing the, that same hardware and software IP in development of a new inventive smoking cessation product. Um, you know, and Perigo has an established portfolio of NRT products and they know the market and they knew there was a need for a new product that would actually help smokers quit. So for example, if their cravings spike, our dose to effect technology can give them just enough nicotine to prevent them from lighting up another cigarette. And, uh, you know, we're currently progressing toward user studies that if successful, would be a step toward approval by the FDA and other international regulatory uh, agencies. Wow, thanks for that update. Um, as somebody who who does smoke cigarettes myself, I'm currently alternating between my old school cigarettes and a, a vaporizer pen and in addition to my cannabis vaporizer pen. So I've got a lot of stuff in my purse to look for, I'll tell you that much. All right, let's take our first commercial break and then we'll be right back to take a deeper dive into this conversation with Ramon and Arnal. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at shoogies.com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we are back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, chatting with a couple of members from NCIA's Cannabis Manufacturing Committee. So your committee recently hosted a webinar through NCIA about future-proofing your business. So I want to chat with you both further about this for listeners who didn't catch the webinar. Um, within the Cannabis Manufacturing Committee, that covers edibles and extractions, for example. There's certainly a lot to discuss about vaping products, which we've alluded to for a lot of reasons. Some of the benefits are that they're discreet. Uh, they don't smell like smoking flour. And NCIA published a policy paper in late 2019 about the vaping crisis. We all remember, which after this last year feels like a decade ago. But let's let's dive into those big picture concerns that we discovered along the way about vaping. What was the big deal there? Well, so, uh, you know, I think vitamin E acetate was primarily responsible for the 
vape crisis and almost exclusively in illegal markets. And, you know, the shadow of this crisis continues to linger so much so that some people now think smoking is safer than vaping. And but, you know, vaping products, when done right, have enormous harm reduction potential. Anytime mm -hmm. you can avoid combusting something, you have much better control and can avoid harmful byproducts. But it's not just about what's in the formulation. It's the whole system that produces the vapor. Think of it like car emissions. You can put in premium gas, gas, but a poorly tuned engine will belch all sorts of gross noxious gases. However, that same engine, when tuned properly, can have really low emissions. And the same is true in the vapor space. So we need to not only sort out good and bad formulations and good and bad hardware, we need to tune and test the system to fulfill the promise of harm reduction relative to combustion. Gotcha, gotcha. Arnaud, would you like to follow up on that? Yeah, I think uh, as Ramon was saying, the, the, the basis here is the product people are buying is the combination of the, the concentrate and the hardware. It's not one or the other. Uh, so testing as a system is really the most important thing we can do. Fortunately, uh, but also potentially unfortunately, uh, there still needs to be a lot of research in, in, in this sector. And the harm reduction aspect is something that has been discussed in tobacco for the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. This is coming down the road. What is safer? Using an edible, vaping, rolling a joint? What is safer for the consumer? And uh, I think that is something that the industry really needs to step up to explain and to research a little bit more um, because right now we're lacking research for a couple of different reasons. One of them being that no one could do research on THC up until a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, so really more research is needed to make sure that these products are, are, are as safe as possible. But there still is a lot of documentation out there and a lot of stuff that we can take from the nicotine vaping industry. Great. Yeah, I highly encourage our listeners to head to NCIA's website, thecannabisindustry.org, and find that policy paper in our industry reports section about the vaping crisis. I think a lot of what was in that policy paper is still very relevant today. Um, one of the issues was the exposure of the failings and risks of the illegal market. Um, as we know, cannabis licensed operators have, well, we're regulated more heavily than plutonium, as we like to joke and say. It's really not funny. But in the illegal market, they're not being held to those licensed regulatory standards. So it underscores why a legal regulated market is ultimately safer for consumers. So, but even with all these legal vetted components, something can still go wrong is what I'm hearing. And there's a lot more to it than the old vitamin E acetate scare of 2019 that we mentioned before. Is that right? Ramon, would you like to take that? Yeah, just to amplify, it goes right along with what Arnaud was mentioning is that, you know, what's really important is that we test the vapor because that's what goes into your body. Testing the oil alone is almost meaningless. And there are really three components, the vapor product, the device battery, the cartridge, and the oil. And not only do each of these need to be good independently, but they need to work together in order to produce a clean aerosol. Um, you know, and combine, you know, even the purest oil in the world in a great cartridge when combined with particularly with particular battery at the wrong setting can make harmful degradants. And that's why testing is so important. If you think about it, though, 
that's a hard message for anyone filling 510 cartridges because there's no way you can test with all possible batteries and settings. Um, and take that a means, long time. Yeah, yeah. And, but, but what it means is you can't, they can't tell you what you're putting into your lungs because of that. Um, now that's hard, but as a first step, one thing I recommend to manufacturers is to test, test each oil with at least a preferred configuration and provide that as a recommendation, a recommendation which they've tested to show that there are negligible harmful constituents. Makes sense. Arnaud, would you like to follow that? Well, um, well just really quick uh, to, to, to add on to what Ramon was saying, it's provide guidance to consumers. At least, at least have a one pager that you can give with your products that explains, mm -hmm. hey, you got to use this at roughly 3.7 volts because the resistance inside is 1.2. And that way you're only heating it up at 170 degrees. Not in so many words, but say, guys, best usage and uh, safest usage is at three with a battery that uh, outputs at 3.7 volts, for instance. Uh, that really is a best practice that will avoid a lot of these manufacturers, a lot of uh, back and forth with their clients. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. So if it's possible to put the debate to rest here as to whether vaping is safe and why, I mean, we kind of hinted at this earlier, is it better or worse to vape than to sit in traffic breathing car exhaust, for example? Arnaud, can you take that one? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm going to speak about, about, about a test that we've done uh, in Paris with the quality of air. There's an organism called uh, Air Parif, that measures the air quality inside the city at various different areas of the city. And in 2014, we decided to analyze uh, the, what, what a, someone walking in the city for one hour was inhaling and measure the toxicants there. And we compared that to someone sitting in a clean room vaping for one hour. The person that was walking in the streets of Paris for one hour had toxicants roughly three to four times higher in their body than the person who was vaping in a clean room. So I think gotcha. it's really, really important that people understand the, 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 the impact and the toxicants that they will be inhaling. And no matter what we say, if these toxicants are not compared to a common situation and are done in a void or in a vacuum, then of course it's better to not do anything. Uh, but there are products that are completely safe. Another little silly aspect is allergens. A lot of people are allergic to a lot of things. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm allergic to gluten. I would love to see in these, in, these, in these packaging something that says there is not gluten or not manufactured in gluten facilities. And that's something that literally would not cost anything because I highly doubt any manufacturer, uh, except maybe edible manufacturers, use gluten in their manufacturing process. So it's, it's, again, about packaging and informing consumers. Absolutely. And, and I think one of the things we can rely on um, with the regulated cannabis market with our analytical testing labs is they're checking for the, the obvious stuff, I guess, like fungus, heavy metals, things like that. Uh, that the average consumer actually isn't even thinking about, um, but we're, as an industry and in and, and the vaping industry, we have, to, we have to think about these things before we put the products out. Would you agree? I totally agree. And, and I think there's a lot of these little anecdotes and these experiments that have been done are really telling. Ramon, why, why don't you tell them about the, uh, the candle experiment? 
Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, we did. We actually did uh, at Blue. You know, the important thing, just stepping back from the candle experiment, I'll get to it, is you're always comparing against the baseline, right? What are you comparing it to? And first, if you're comparing it to smoking, which involves lighting something on fire, it's absolutely clear to me that vaping has the potential to be much safer. And we proved that. Uh, we measured at Blue, we measured formaldehyde, other carbonyls, VOCs, and we found a thousand-fold reduction in harmful constituents um, with, relative to combustion. Um, and then we did this experiment, like Arnaud mentioned, where we simulated a restaurant with candles. And on each candle, on each table, uh, had a candle. And we compared that to one where each table had someone vaping. Well, there was more formaldehyde and benzene in the restaurant with candles than the one with vapor, vapors. So, you know, think about when COVID is over and you can go dine indoors again. Think about that. Interesting. And I love candles. I burn them in almost every room of my house and I love the scents and, and all that. But that is interesting to think about as well. All right. Let's take our last commercial break and we'll be right back to wrap up this chat with Ramon and Arnold. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we are back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with the National Cannabis Industry Association, speaking with a couple of members of our Cannabis Manufacturing Committee. Uh, we've been diving into the safety of vaping and, and how to future-proof really is the theme here. So moving forward, how can companies really future-proof their manufacturing of vaping products and the methods you might recommend for keeping these products safe for the consumer, whether it's the cannabis concentrate itself or the equipment used to consume it. And, and what's coming in the future that our industry should really be prepared for on the regulatory side? Arnaud, you want to start with that one? Yes, I think there, there's, there's, there's one thing that we're seeing a lot more uh, stemming from Colorado, Florida, Washington, Oregon, California, is the potency limits. Uh, there are a lot of these states that are trying to uh, work on potency limits. Let me ask you a quick question. If you're trying to limit the amount of THC in a vape pen, what are you going to cut it with? Are you going to be putting vitamin E acetate in there? You certainly are not. So if you want Please to limit don't. those doses, 
you have to limit the additives, but how do you reduce the level of THC without putting more additives inside? It's physically impossible. Uh, so that's just one of the reasons why these potency limits really, really make no sense. Um, and uh, we, we completely understand that in a lot of these states, there are a lot of outside interests that are pouring money into some of these associations that are trying to fight these uh, for these potency caps, but it really, really makes no sense. Is it gonna stop anyone from getting high potent uh, wax, stabs, shatter from the black market? Definitely not. Remember the black market is still 75% of the market in the US. Uh, so people can still turn back to the black market. That's really not gonna help. And finally, I think really the, 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 the main thing here is look at what other industries are doing. The nicotine industry was in the same spot that cannabis is five years ago. Nothing, uh, so, so nothing very formal was done. The industry wasn't able to get together and do the proper research to get things moving. Nicotine vaping is almost dead now in the US. Let me remind you that in European countries, social security reimburses you when you switch from smoking to vaping. Interesting. And it goes to show how the harm reduction, I, as, as a French uh, man, I get 65 euros per year to change my vaping gear. Uh, so it's really, really weird the way it turned out here in North America and Canada right now is trying to rethink their entire flavor and looking at flavor bans. But what is a flavor? in cannabis is it the terpenes you're going to ban terpenes go back to the same uh, same uh, issue that we spoke about in the beginning of uh of, of the question potency limits what are you going to add if you can't add back cannabis terpenes in there so it's really about understanding and keeping an eye on where the regulators are going here what the public debate is going to be and thinking one step ahead we spoke a lot about testing the emissions and the aerosol that comes out of this Colorado is the only state that has implemented this and it will be mandatory in January next year. We really need to make sure that what people are inhaling is what we're testing, not the rest. Gotcha. Well, I think I'm going to be moving to France to start the National Cannabis Industry Association of France, and uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to leave the U.S. Bye. No, just kidding. Um, no, quite happy here to be working on uh, U.S. cannabis policy. Um, so, Ramon, as we're wrapping up the episode here in just the last minute or two. Uh, what else is the Cannabis Manufacturing Committee up to this year? Or what are your goals uh, for the rest of 2021, besides getting out into public eventually and getting vaccinated? Well, we already touched on the importance of testing the aerosol for HPHCs. And part of the Cannabis Manufacturing Committee, uh, I think some of the things we're going to be looking at certainly include terpenes and um, other things in terms of HPHCs. I think that the HPHCs will be adapted to be more appropriate to cannabis, possibly including some terpenes above safe limits and certainly thermal degradants of terpenes. And this could actually turn out to be more of an issue in cannabis vapor than we realize today. And then just to finalize on those potency regulations, uh, you know, I, I think we'll take a look at that as well. And, you know, and that really could be a double-edged sword. Like for example, you know, if someone needs their 20 milligrams of THC, they're just gonna take more inhalations, right? And to the extent that there are any HPHCs or contaminants, 
they'll take in more of those as well. So, mm-hmm. however, you know, the regs could have a net positive, I think, for the industry uh, if, if there are potency regs in that it will force manufacturers away from competing on THC potency, which to me is downright silly. That's like competing on the alcohol content of your drink. I personally think there's more money to be made developing pro- vapor products that appeal to a much wider spectrum of consumers, products that someone can enjoy similarly to the way people enjoy a six pack of beer at an afternoon tailgate or a nice bottle of wine. Neither of those has very high alcohol content. So to me, it seems that preparing for our, our members for potential potency regulations, you know, even though they're, they're we, we may not be completely aligned with them, it may actually push the industry to develop products that are more appropriate for the masses. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, I'm, I'm not the 28% THC kind of smoker. Uh, I prefer it in the, I don't know, 16 to 20% range. And I'm just learning this about myself over the years too, now that this information is actually available to me on the products I purchase. Uh, it's a little bit of trial and error as, as an adult use consumer. Um, Anyway, we have run out of time on this episode, but I'm looking forward to having more members of your committee and other NCIA committees on the show this year since they're working so hard on so many forward thinking and future proofing issues. So thank you both for being on the show and quick announcement for our listeners. We have announced new dates for our trade shows. That's right. It's going to happen. We're just pushing them to a little bit later in the year. Our Midwest Cannabis Business Conference will be taking place in September. And our seventh annual, we didn't get to have it last year, so seventh annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo will be in San Francisco in December, the middle of December. All right, so you'll be hearing more about that as we go forward. And thanks to you both for being on the show. Like I said, I look forward to hearing more from you all and and everyone on the committee. And thanks everybody for tuning in to yet another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.